Well, you don't have to worry. We're out of Song of Solomon this week. We're moving on to Proverbs. Uh, so if you got your Bibles with you, I saw the deep breath. If you got your Bible, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to finish chapter 4. Uh, these Proverbs kind of have a, a similar connection to them, and then we're going to do two uh, in chapter 5, and then I'm going to jump you so you can keep your thumb there, and we're going to go to 14, uh, 15, and 16. So we're going to be jumping around a little bit today, but hopefully you'll see how they all connect together. So from Proverbs 4, uh, starting in verse 23, reading through 5, 2, and then 14, 15, and 16. Hear the word of the Lord for you, his church, this morning. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left and turn your foot away from evil. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. And then 14, 15, and 16. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious. And turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. So I pray by it this morning that you would challenge us with it, that you would change us. And Lord, as this morning we talk about the places where scripture isn't necessarily clear. Lord, would you teach us how to discern well? So we ask that you would be with us. Would you teach us this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when I first moved up to Thomasville a few years ago, one of the first things that I was invited to go do was to go bass fishing with a couple of the guys in our student ministry. Now, uh, a little bit about me. I'm from Orlando, Florida, and so growing up, uh, I had never really learned how to fish. I never really uh, went fishing with my dad, nor did I really ever have the patience as a child to learn how to fish. So this wasn't really one of my hobbies, but here I am, uh, first few days here in Thomasville. Uh, I'm about to go fishing with two boys who know a lot what they're doing. Uh, and I had never actually even put line on my reel before. So I am like a dead beginner. And my only experience with fishing up until this point was I would go out uh, on a boat with our, my father-in-law and he would do all of the work, setting up the rods and whatnot. And he would catch the fish and then he would hand me the, the thing and I got to reel it in and that was pretty fun. But that's my only experience uh, with fishing. And so as Allison will confirm when we first moved here, I started researching uh, and I watched countless, and I'm talking about countless hours of beginner fishing videos on YouTube because you can't be a youth pastor in South Georgia and not know what end of the rod to hold. So uh, day comes, uh, we head out, uh, and keep in mind, I have watched hours of beginner fishing fishing videos. I've learned about cast techniques. I've learned how to use spinning rods. I've learned, you know, what baits to use. I mean, I have done so much research. Uh, and we get out there and the student immediately hands me a bait caster rod. 
Uh, and if you're not a fisherman, I just want you to know that these rods are a little bit different in the sense that they have uh, uh, the tendency that if you don't know what you're doing uh, to do what's called bird nesting, uh, which means that when you, uh, long story short, all the line is on the spool at the beginning, but then uh, if you cast it wrong and you don't pay attention, then it looks like the worst hair day you've ever had in your life. Uh, and this bird nesting uh, can ruin your whole day. Like it can cause tangles and then your rod just becomes unusable for the rest of the day. So long story short, my first cast of the day with this thing, because I had never seen a bait caster before, I toss it and what happens? bird nest. Uh, and there's nothing more humbling uh, than having to walk up to a 12-year-old uh, as a 27-year-old and have to ask for help because you didn't know what you were doing. Uh, but it, it raised a really interesting uh, lesson for me uh, in the sense that I had done all this preparation, I'd done all this study, all this research, and then the first thing uh, when I'm out on the water and I cast this thing is I had seen something I'd never seen before. And how how did that make me feel? Well, I was panicked. I was nervous. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fix it. I, I didn't even know where to start uh, to solve the problem, right? And uh, we've all had those kinds of moments, maybe not fishing per se, but in life in general, right? When you first head off to college, right? You think you know how life works. You think you know how everything's going to go. You have all your plans, and that first thing happens where you hit an unknown situation that you've never seen before. And right, the first thing you do is you have to call home because you just don't know how to handle it. When you're a parent and you do all of this preparation, all of this study, but the first thing happens with your child where it's unknown and you don't quite know the answer, right? It leaves that pit in your stomach of how am I gonna handle an unknown situation? In your business, we hear a lot of unprecedented today, but when you see new market conditions or whatnot that you've never quite seen before and you don't know what the answer is, it can leave that pit in our stomach. What do we do with this? How do we solve this problem? And so life oftentimes throws us moments where we don't know the answer. And maybe more than that, life throws us moments where the answer is extremely unclear. I think all of us would say in this room that, that when those moments come, that's a really unnerving moment because all of the preparation we can put into anything we're doing, all of a sudden it seems pointless and unneeded if we face problems that we have no idea how to solve, right? Isn't that why we prepare in the first place? And so we come to this morning to the book of Proverbs, and I think in many ways, that's what this book is out, out to help us with. And this book, for context, it follows uh, the law books of Scripture. Uh, and so the law books of Scripture are the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And those five books are the commands of God that help us understand how to live a flourishing life. And the high point of the law books, you probably know them, are the Ten Commandments, right? These ten rules, do this, don't do this, that help us lead a flourishing life, right? They're easy, they're black and white, they're simple, until they're not, <laughs> Right? Because I think when you know the Ten Commandments, you realize that there are moments where the law, the Ten Commandments, they aren't clear or direct with the circumstances that we're dealing with. Right? When Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, that's great. But then in a hard situation, what's the best way to love your neighbor? Right? The Bible isn't always clear it isn't always direct on the exact specific way in your situation on how to love your neighbor. 
in our culture today. Something we've been reading about a lot, this rise in technology with artificial intelligence. Well, how should Christians respond to something like that? Well, the Bible never mentions artificial intelligence in its pages. So it never gives a clear answer on what Christians ought to do with that. Well, maybe you're dealing with big life decisions, right? Whether that's to take a job and move your family or you know, what school you should send your child to, or you're heading off to college and you're having to make decisions about what you want to do with your life, right? We want God to sometimes be a lot clearer than he is. But sometimes he doesn't always give us directly the right answer, and that makes it hard. We, we want to do what God says, right? We want to be faithful, but the Bible doesn't give us the clarity or necessarily the direct answer that we might want. And so enter Proverbs, Right? This is a book of a collection of short, you know, pithy sayings uh, that help us live lives of wisdom where the road stops, so to speak. And when we live these concepts, it helps us live faithfully when the answers aren't always clear, right? when things aren't always black and white. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want to come to the book of Proverbs. I want us to ask the question, how can we live faithfully where scripture seems open-ended? Right? In decisions about jobs or your family or current events, how do we cultivate a life where we naturally do as God would want us to do, even when the answer isn't directly on the page? And I think what Proverbs does is it gives us four different tips, four different characteristics of someone who lives faithfully in this kind of gray area between the black and the white. One, we need to have a heart of integrity. Two, routine obedience three, good counsel, and four, patient discernment. I got four points today. I'm super uh, Presbyterian. That one's for you, Mike. So let's dive in uh, this morning and explore these four characteristics. So number one, a heart of integrity. And so this beginning proverb that I read uh, this morning, I think this is the most crucial when it comes to thinking about living life with these open-ended opportunities. Because before we ever get to practical considerations of what should we do, it's important to know that scripture and God himself is always concerned with the state of our hearts. He's always concerned with the state of our hearts. In fact, throughout all of Proverbs, you'll see this kind of guidance come up again and again. Keep your heart pure. In fact, throughout the old, whole Old Testament and New Testament, the heart is a central focus. But why start here? Well, it's because from the heart, that is where all action and all motivations flow. And when the heart is healthy and alive with the love of the Lord, our actions which flow from it will be seasoned with salt and a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But when it's sickened by the disease of sin, we can actually be more destructive than helpful. And I think that's why Jesus, when he was teaching, he would say, well, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so before anything, before any decision you have to make, before any movement in trying to follow God, we have to make sure that we have healthy hearts. We have to make sure that we have hearts of integrity. And what do I mean by that word integrity? Well, integrity just is a word that means that the outside matches up with the inside, that we're the same people in both motivation and action, that we're not trying to be this duplicitous person. We're not trying to be ingenuine. We're not trying to be dishonest, but that simply that our internal motivations line up with our outward actions. And this is so key because when we're faced with a circumstance where God's law is somewhat unclear, 
somewhat vague. We don't know the right answer. The most important thing in beginning to discern what God would have us do is this question. Do we genuinely want what God wants? Even though we don't know the way forward, even though we don't necessarily know what the right answer is, do we hope and pray that we, what we will decide will be honoring and glorifying to God? Right? Do we genuinely want to discover what God wants for us? Or, maybe more normally, do we quietly want God to want the same thing as us? Have we in our minds made up what we want to be true and we kind of want God to come alongside and kind of bless that so we selectively pick and choose what God comes out saying uh, so that he says what we want him to say. And at that point, notice what happens. We lack true integrity because we'll show up to worship, we'll sing, we'll pray these big aspirational things. Lord, we want to surrender, open the eyes of our heart, uh, be thou our vision. But inside, we want God to say what we want him to say. Right? We don't want to be comfortable. We don't want to be, or we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be challenged. Tim Keller has this fantastic line when he says, if God agrees with everything you say, and he never disagrees with you, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping a figment of your imagination. And so the first step of discernment in any part, in any decision you make, is a simple heart check. Lord, do I truly want what you want? Am I willing to be wrong, challenged, shaped, changed? Am I willing to hear you out? Because if that is in our heart, then we'll always be at risk of missing God in our unknown entirely. Why? Because we're always just going to be looking for God where we want to see God. But wisdom begins with humility. Like a few weeks ago, it begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with the request that we want wisdom, not that we know everything, but that we want to seek wisdom from God. And that simple heart posture, friends, changes everything, right? That's what's going to open you up to hearing God in new ways, in sermons, in scripture, in prayer, in conversation with your friends. It's when we have hearts of integrity where our heart's desire is truly, God, I want to know the way. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I want to want what you want. And so that's the first thing, a heart of integrity. Pursue God's heart in decisions and humble yours in the process. But the second characteristic after that is routine obedience. And part of dealing with the difficulty of unknown, specifically with people, when we're talking about decisions that we have to make regarding other people, is oftentimes we don't have a good sense of how somebody has acted in the past to help us make decisions for the future. And it can be really hard to predict sometime when you're, when you're dealing with somebody like that, how they're gonna act in the future if you haven't had a, a good sample size of how they've lived in the past. And so to illustrate what I'm talking about, um, I am the vacation planner of our family. Uh, my wife doesn't necessarily enjoy the vacation planning and the, the logistics of it. And even though I'm the more disorganized of the two of us, somehow I do enjoy that part. So I'm generally the one who plans uh, vacations for Allison and I. And uh, for our honeymoon a few years ago, uh, we decided uh, we were going to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, to Smoky Mountain National Park. Beautiful. Uh, and I planned one of our days to be a day of hiking. And I thought it was going to be great. I love to hike. My life loves nature. It was going to be awesome. Uh, and I picked out this awesome trail that got a lot of great reviews on all trails, and it was called Chimney Tops Trail. 
And I thought this was going to be great. Good view. And so we get walking. And if you've ever been on chimney tops in Smoky Mountain National Park, uh, it's less of a trail and more of a natural staircase. And uh, that you get up to this trail and there are 700 steps straight up the side of a mountain. And I look over at my wife and get that face that some husbands, you know, you, you know that face. Uh, and it told me everything I needed to know about how my wife was thinking about this trail and that we are never doing this again. Uh, and I still hear about that experience to this day uh, every time I bring it up. But it was helpful because a few weeks ago, we went out to General Assembly in Colorado and into Denver. And obviously, Denver is another great place to go hike. Uh, but it was a lot easier for me to plan some trips because I know what my wife likes and what my wife doesn't like when it comes to hiking, right? Now I have that experience and that knowledge of the past helps me plan future vacations for her to enjoy. And Proverbs is oftentimes going to come back to an idea like that, in that you do the simple things that God has commanded you, you know, well, right? Things like just put away the crude talk, keep your eyes on the path, you know, relish the word of God, pray, remember the Ten Commandments. And why does he do that? Well, because when we follow those simple routine commands, we begin to get to know God's heart and his will better. And so when those unknown areas come and those gray areas show up, you begin to get a sense of, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, what God would want or what God would ask of you. I want to give you an example. Uh, If you've ever read the Westminster Long Catechism, this is great bedtime reading, uh, but the catechisms are essentially a good confessional document of our church that helps us interpret scripture. So they're not scripture, but they're a good guide for us. Uh, And there's a section on the Ten Commandments uh, where it goes through all of the um, kind of connections to each command. And so I want to put it up on the screen. Uh, And I know that some of these words are actually going to be really, really small. You don't actually have to read it. But if you know what the sixth commandment is, the sixth commandment is three words. Do not murder. But when these, you know, faithful men back who are writing the Westminster Catechism uh, wrote this, you can see, uh, you don't actually have to read it to see how packed that paragraph is. That is a packed paragraph. And first and foremost, you might be a little off-put, like, okay, this looks like high school students who are trying to hit a word count. But this is actually faithful men and women who were living and realized that, you know what? There are so many connections to what God would want us to do uh, simply just out of this one command, do not murder. Because it's not just about the act of murdering itself, right? What about when I gossip and slander my friends or my enemies? You see, what about in our culture when we're dealing with issues like, you know, life before birth and end-of-life issues, right? What about moments when we see rampant injustice and we see people taking rights away from other people? See, when we follow Jesus, routine obedience can help us see more of the picture because we see how God thinks and when we know how he thinks and how he acts and how he lives, then we might be able to anticipate how he might respond in a certain situation upcoming. But if you do this cold, if you don't do the simple routine things, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not coming to worship, and you try to figure out what God would want from you, it's pretty easy to be extremely narrow, to be extremely narrow and maybe miss the tension between grace and truth. 
right? Oftentimes that's what we see. When people look at what God says, they go straight to the command, they read it, and they're like, this is what God means. But we miss the heart behind what God probably meant when he said certain things. And so routine obedience, getting to know God in simple ways helps us when we hit those unknown areas in that open-ended nature of scripture. So uh, you can take that down. So heart of integrity, routine obedience. Number three is good counsel. And part of what makes the Proverbs so special is when you read it, who is addressing whom in the book? And when you start thinking about schools of wisdom, uh, in, you, know, you start thinking about the universities, you start thinking about the big places where ideas are spread. But what made ancient Israel, and specifically the wisdom in Scripture, extremely special uh, is that it wasn't universities. It wasn't grand places where, you know, teachers would share ideas with their students. The school of wisdom was the family. It was the family. Families, fathers and mothers, pass wisdom to their sons and daughters. And that's why when you get to the beginning of chapter five, that's so important, right? What does he say? My son, incline your ear to me. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, See, wisdom is not just a bunch of abstract concepts and ideas that you have to memorize. Wisdom is inherently relational. Wisdom is inherently relational, meaning you can't be full of wisdom. You can't be wise first without knowing wisdom himself, Jesus Christ. But then also you can't be wise unless you are growing in relationship with other people. And so in order to deal with the open-endedness of scripture, we have to be in a community of faith that helps illumine and uncover God's will together because wisdom is inherently relational. And why? Well, because we all have blind spots, right? We all have blind spots. If you don't think you have blind spots, I'm telling you this morning, we have blind spots. We misinterpret things. We don't like to see where we're wrong. It's why in your workplace, you have a big run towards collaboration today. Not because it's the most uh, efficient process, But when you get a lot of people in a room together, yes, it can be more frustrating when those people don't agree, but oftentimes somebody can see something that you can't. You have a blind spot. Uh, If you ever wanted to know when I started considering getting into ministry uh, more seriously, uh, some people think that, ah, the call of the Lord comes in a, you know, the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit kind of wakes you up and calls you, you know, audibly. I didn't have a moment like that. Uh, I started uh, hearing God's call to ministry when three different people, one, my college pastor, Scott Stewart, my former youth pastor, Tanner Fox, and my wife, uh, all started making comments affirming that it looked like I was called to ministry. And in this moment where I'm wrestling with this big unknown in my life of what am I going to do, it wasn't uh, this supernatural moment, but God was speaking through the comments and the conversations I was having with people that I trusted. And so part of discerning what God has for you is talking to other people, right? And the richness of wisdom begins to come when you're not the only voice that you're talking to. That's why the church is an intergenerational community. That's why you don't just go to church with the people who are your age, but you get to hear and see wisdom from people who are older than you, and you get to pour into people who are younger than you. Right? That's the beauty of a life when we can share and receive wisdom. That's how wisdom is passed. That's how God set it up. Right? You can see your pitfalls when somebody tells you who's lived it before, who has avoided or even been in the pitfalls that are coming up 
before you. And that's part of the design. And that's how Proverbs is teaching us to push towards wisdom. So heart of integrity, routine obedience, good counsel. And then lastly, and really quickly, patient discernment. Patient discernment. Friends, God doesn't move quickly and neither should you. And I, I'll use this as an example. Um, when I was growing up, uh, when we would go on family vacations, uh, my dad was the one who was in charge of packing the car. Uh, and my dad has this little thing that he does when he, before he starts any project where he kind of stands back uh, and he kind of assesses the situation. He looks at the car, he looks at all the bags, and he just kind of stands there for probably a minute or so. And then he starts packing. And before you know it, he has fit everything that we own in the back of a car. It's quite impressive. Meanwhile, I'm somebody who very quickly, like I'll see all the bags, I'll see the car, and I just start chucking things in the back of the car. And what happens? Well, I run into moments where we've run out of space and I still have three bags left over, right? I'm constantly struggling with the fact that there's not enough space. And when dealing with open-endedness of scripture, it's important to remember that we aren't always quick to speak, but that we're slow to speak and quick to listen, and that we take time. We take time to learn. We take time to study. We take time to be challenged. We take time to grow, and that decisions, when we're trying to discern what God wants for us, we probably shouldn't make them quickly. Oftentimes, those things don't get resolved in an afternoon at work, right? We want to be careful to seek out the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want to be careful to make sure that we're seeking out the counsel of others. We want to be careful to make sure that we're seeking our own heart in the process because if we go fast, if we want to make the decision quickly, if we're impatient, right, we often make mistakes and we can often be unnuanced. One of the things that I find with myself uh, is that I become way less compassionate and way less gentle if I'm moving to make decisions too quickly. If I'm dealing with a hard person or a hard issue, uh, what happens is I'll usually put everything into a vacuum and I'll stop looking at all the other details that might be affecting the situation. I might not be willing to consider, you know, all the other extenuating circumstances or even this own person's heart in the matter. I tend to overlook details uh, that could have probably been helpful for me to know before I made my comment. And oftentimes what happens, I become more brash. I become more stubborn and obstinate <laughs> in my decision. And I can't tell you the amount of times, and maybe it's happened here a couple times, where I come up with this idea, and I think it's great, and I'm assuming it's so good that no one would ever challenge my idea or say that it's bad, only to have, when I bring it up and I pitch it, and I'm like so proud of myself, one person simply ask a question that brings my whole idea crumbling down. Right? Throughout the Gospels, I am always stunned by how patient Jesus is with people right? How carefully he chooses his word. And when he does speak in an authoritative sense, how oftentimes he's not trying to shut down conversation, but he's turning questions back on, their, back on the people who asked him questions. So he's making a point, but he's not closing off conversation. And so that's the final characteristic that Proverbs often come to, is that you don't come to answers quickly, See, I'm always wary of people who are very quick to say, this is what the Bible says about things. This is what the Bible says about, you know, the subject of technology. This is what the Bible's going to say on the subject of education. This is what the Bible's going to say about a political issue. Because I see a lot of people wrestling with the question. And if I see wrestling, guess what? That means it's hard. That means we need to take the time 
to come and to discern, to read scripture, to check our own hearts in the matter, to be slow to speak, and always patient in learning and being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's hard because we want things quickly. We live in a fast-paced society, and sometimes nuance and uh, vagueness and not having the answers makes us uncomfortable. But oftentimes when we take that time to be patient, God works in the midst of that. I'll close with this really quickly. Uh, One of the things that was popular when I was in middle school was those what would Jesus do bracelets that you would wear and uh, you would wear them, uh, the WWJD, to remind yourself and when you were in any situation of, okay, what would Jesus do if he was in your uh, standpoint? And sometimes those answers were very easy. You know, oh, I probably should be nicer to my sister or, oh, I should probably go sit with this kid who doesn't have any friends. Sometimes the answers were extremely easy, but sometimes, and even uh, now, the answers can be really, really difficult. And yet Proverbs, I think, gives us wisdom, right? The kind of people who discern well, the kind of people who make faithful decisions following Jesus, who can be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in people, those are gonna be the people who have hearts of integrity, who are gonna be obedient in the small things so that they can be obedient in the big things, who are surrounding themselves with good counsel. And last, but maybe not least, they're patient, to learn and grow, right? Those are the people that are faithful when scripture is open-ended, it's unclear. And I pray that we would be a church that would embody this as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for the wisdom of Proverbs, that when the road ends, so to speak, Lord, how can we be faithful with all of the questions and all of the difficult issues that we have Lord, sometimes you don't give us clear answers. You don't tell us exactly what to do in every situation. But Lord, you're teaching us to be people that discern well, uh, that take what we know and can live it in the unknown. So Lord, I pray today that these characteristics, that they would be descriptive of us. Maybe not now, but Lord, would we task ourselves to grow in this area? And by your Holy Spirit, would you help us? This isn't natural to us. Uh, We need your help uh, to be this way. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.